Hey everyone, it's Jeff from MCS Mag, and this week's interview topic is one I've been wanting to do for a long time. And I've been trying to coordinate with our guests specifically because this training is unlike anything I've seen anywhere else. And I know you're going to get a lot out of this. And we went really long with this one because there were a lot of great questions that were submitted by listeners. So you'll get some extra bonus tips from this one as well. Grab your notebook and get ready to jot down these tactics. Check this out. Bullets were flying, your adrenaline surging. Would you hit your target? If the world as you know it crumbled tomorrow, collapsed into chaos, would you know how to survive? If you and those you loved were cornered by a gang, violently attacked, could you protect them? Could you protect them? Could you protect them? Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. There's a scene in the Tom Cruise remake of War of the Worlds that has stuck with me ever since seeing the movie. While the reason everything has gone to hell in the film is an alien invasion, some of the scenes in which people freak out and flee the threat could be from any real-life threat you or I might face. Now, Tom Cruise makes the mistake of driving a vehicle into a crowd of desperate people in the film, and he ends up getting dragged out of his car before the whole thing is over. Now, if you're in your car, perhaps sitting in traffic when a, when a flash mob or riot breaks out or you're, member of, or you're the victim of a carjacking, you could find yourself suddenly trying to navigate through hundreds of hostile, even violent people or traffic or other obstacles in your way. Now, one or two people are not a big threat to someone in a vehicle unless you hit one and the other bystanders come after you. We've seen this time and time again in different scenarios. Now, even if you do nothing to provoke a mob, a crowd of people who are good and worked up over anything from a high-profile law enforcement shooting to the fact that their team won the big game last night, it doesn't matter what it is. Your car could easily be blocked, shaken, and even tipped over in a riot. The threat of getting dragged from your, vi- from your vehicle is very real. Then, too, there's the possibility of getting snatched out of your car by predators who are also in vehicles, something that happens in high-risk locations like Mexico all the time. In every one of these cases, you need tactical driving skills. Now, if you're focused on escape and evasion or you're just trying to get clear of a threatening area with a minimum of trouble, you need to be able to think and drive tactically, not just defensively. Those skills are exactly what we're here to work on. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat and Survival Magazine, with another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. And with me today to discuss tactical driving strategies is Doran Bembanisti. Doran, welcome to the program, man. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, I'm glad to be here, and, uh, and thank you for putting me on the show. Now, this has been a long time coming. We've been, we've been trying really hard to get, to get Doran on because um, I've taken a look at his website and the training and everything that he's got going on, and it's, it's amazing. He's got some special programs that I want to tell you about also. So I'm really excited to finally introduce his, his, his training and his, and his facility to our members. Now, listen, Doran is a former Israeli Special Forces operator and counterterrorism instructor and the owner of CRI, CRI Counterterrorism Training School. Now, seeing a great need for proper training and response to crises throughout the world, Doran created CRI to prepare individuals and groups to deal with the severe threats to our existence. But he's taken it one step further also, because he's also now approved to be able to offer his training under the GI Bill for veterans coming out that are looking for additional application of the tactical skills that they learned and put them into contract work, bodyguard work, or anything that they're going to take their skills and move in. But they, what they need is 
real-world strategies and training that will work for their clients, and that's where CRI training comes in. Now, they offer multiple tax courses, and one of the subjects in which they per, the, personally are experts in is tactical driving, which is why I wanted to get him on the show today. You can learn more about Duran and his training over at www.criTraining.com. So let's go ahead and jump right into this. Now, now Doran, one of our listeners, Rich W., I'll just leave his last name out of it, asked about how to handle a vehicle with less power and stability, like an SUV. And this actually applies to anyone because it's important to know what your vehicle can do under pressure and what it can't do. And I, I have a small SUV and also a Mini Cooper, believe it or not. And they're a world apart in how they perform. So what should people know about how various classes of vehicles differ in handling for evasive encounters? Okay, uh, um, Jeff, this is a great uh, question. Uh, first, you need to understand you either uh, own a donkey, a mule, or a racing horse. And you cannot expect a donkey to win a race with a, a racing horse. That being said, Every vehicle is some kind of a horse. It's not a donkey. Hmm. So if the analogy makes sense, you have to understand that the machine that you are in or you're driving is, uh, number one, your best uh, tool or weapon uh, to deal with dangerous situations, either from men, nature, or, or others. So um, the number one thing to remember is, uh, and to know is the center of gravity. If you know the center of gravity of your vehicle, you'll be able to perform different maneuvers in various speeds. And what I mean by that, a number one fatality among young teenagers that take their father or mom um, SUV and drive uh, Friday night, uh, that they turn the, the wheel, the, something happened, they panic, they lock the brake. Now, because of they were in too much speed and, and high, higher center of gravity, the vehicle roll and fall. This is, again, because of lack of knowledge or experience, uh, what uh, to do with a high center of gravity vehicle. Now, if the vehicle is armored in any way, that's add also uh, to the weight of the vehicle, and the, the, therefore, the vehicle be more susceptible to roll on, under a higher center of gravity. When uh, we train bodyguard PSD operators, uh, which is stand for private security detail that uh, go to uh, uh, Iraq, Afghanistan, uh, Bosnia, high-risk high areas in, uh, in, in the world, including Africa, they always, majority of the vehicles they drive uh, are SUVs and uh, pickup trucks. And those vehicles have higher center of gravity. Now, uh, even with a vehicle with less power, you can still perform uh, maneuvers. Now, the, the categories are from a, a small car. It could be a small uh, compact car or a sedan or, um, a sport, uh, or actually heavy sport car uh, up to a pickup truck and uh, SUVs. Now, you can pull some of the, of the maneuvers also with, even with a big uh, box truck. And uh, what I mean by that, uh, as long as the vehicles have four wheels, you can perform, you can perform different maneuvers. One time when I trained in a military base, a military unit before the deployment to Iraq, uh, they said it's impossible to do the reverse 180 with a Humvee. And I said, uh, why? They said, it cannot be done. And, and when I did it, they, they were just uh, amazed. And we have it actually on, on videos on our YouTube channel. Uh, so 
again, if you understand the, the weight of the vehicle, the central gravity, uh, you can uh, perform the maneuvers uh, in a safe manner. Now, um, if, the, if the road uh, have sand on it or wet, it will affect uh, your, your driving condition and, and it will decrease your ability to maneuver the vehicle. Also, uh, is, your vehicle is a front-wheel drive or rear-wheel drive or all-wheel drive. All this all also going to, to affect the way the vehicle uh, performs. For example, if uh, I need to accelerate to a turn with a rear-wheel drive, I can take the vehicle in a higher speed. Uh, but I need to be careful because as the vehicles sink because of the rear-wheel drive and the nose go up, I'm going to lose traction on the front wheels. So if I keep the vehicle at the maximum speed that I can maintain center of gravity and a good traction between my tires, I can take the speed, uh, the, the, I'm sorry, I can take the turn in high speed. Now, also what happens if a vehicle uh, pull in front of you and you need to maneuver out of the way? Again, the, the traction with your tires gonna affect uh, the maneuver. For example, we have a um, uh, counter uh, rear end collision uh, technique that we teach. When you come in high speed, uh, you think uh, the vehicle in front of you is going, suddenly it's come to a complete stop. At that point, people lock the brakes and turn uh, the wheel uh, away. And what happened, the vehicle dragged and you can, and the vehicle does not respond to your command on the steering uh, column and the steering wheel. So the technique we teach is simply to, uh, as you're about to hit the vehicle in front of you, just let go of the brakes completely. Uh, I know it's counterintuitive. And at that point, because the tires turn uh, to the side away, either to the left or the right, the vehicle is going to start to get traction and, and uh, th those uh, tires, and then you'll be able to avoid the accident. Uh, after uh, several training that uh, we did that over the years, we, we had many students that came back for refresher and reported how this technique saved their lives. Uh, and one time in Las Vegas, I was driving a, a 26 uh, box truck, and the vehicle in front of me came to a complete stop on an orange uh, light. And uh, what I was able to do, I, I was able to pull this maneuver with a big truck, and I could see in, in the inside the, the vehicle the panic on their faces. And I maneuver and, and not hit them. I could have killed them if I just pressed the brake and tried to stop. Hmm. So this is example how knowledge of um, uh, defensive driving, tactical driving can translate into a higher rate of survival uh, on the roadways. Yeah. Well, and it really does come down to, you know, first knowing what your equipment is, whether it's a firearm or it doesn't matter what it is, you've really got to know your equipment to be able to know how to use your equipment when when it's under stress and everything. And so those are great points. I mean, like I said, I've got I've got a Mini Cooper that drives like a little go-kart. You know, I can I can take turns really fast. I can maneuver in in small places. It's a very small vehicle. Um my bigger, you know, SUV might be able to get over rockier terrain, and I guess that's part of it also is like what where do you you know where do you live like if we're in a very rural area here where having a four wheel drive helps out a lot you know if you if you need to evade a if you need to evade an obstacle because you need to go four wheeling for example that's a lot different I'm not going to take my mini cooper off of uh off the road but if I'm driving in a city 
you know, it could have a whole other, you know, I could, I might be able to have more advantage with that smaller, faster, more maneuverable car, right? Yes, yes, you, you're touching a completely different world, which is the world of all-four driving. And, um, and uh, we, we do that as, as well. And uh, the problem with that, uh, you need to reduce the, some, a little pressure, not much, a little pressure on your tires. So the tire is going to get a better uh, surface uh, contact, or contact surface. And then uh, the vehicle is going to respond uh, in much more erratic way whenever you try to turn the wheel because the tra- tires do not have a good traction. Now, if you, uh, most um, SUVs have uh, uh, the, uh, the rear differential. Uh, so you need to know where it's located, in the left or the right side of the vehicle. So if you have to clear uh, rocks or obstacles or ravine, you know that you're not going to hit your, your differential. Hmm. So um, um, we cannot really talk completely about off-road driving. Yeah. Um, as most people uh, live in urban cities. Yeah. But it, it's good to know that if you, you live in a rural area, um, you should own an SUV or a pickup truck because it'd be much more uh, uh, usable and uh, beneficial for you if you ever have to go, go off-roading. Yeah. Now, uh, uh, another important thing for cars is the turning radius. If you can turn in a street in one uh, movement and you don't have to uh, turn and then stop, reverse, and then get out. I had uh, a Camaro, and uh, I was so disappointed. Uh, it had a huge turning radius. Though the the car was um, stuck to the road uh, in turn, but to turn on the on the spot, and now I have a, a Cadillac a CTS, and it's amazing how quickly the car turned on on a smaller space and uh, on the same spot. Hmm. Uh, and, and this is something uh, that uh, each vehicle ha- have its its own benefits, uh, advantages, and disadvantages. Uh, but now uh, in the newer cars. They just this year they started to uh, introduce a new technology, technologies to vehicles that uh, if they sense a, uh, an obstacle, the car will stop by itself. Yeah, I see uh, that. Yeah, how do you feel about yeah. that? I mean, is that is that an advantage now, or you think that takes away the a, a skilled driver's um, you know abilities? Um. It depends what is the threat level that uh, you're in. If I'm, for example, uh, driving in Latin America or in Africa, I will disable this uh, this device or, or this function. Uh, the reason is if I need to uh, ram and uh, or push vehicle in front of me, I don't want the computer command my vehicle to stop whenever uh, I, I need to go. Um, I, I give you an exa- example. Um, we uh, train uh, executives from Shell Oil in Nigeria, and one of the former trainees uh, came back and told us that uh, he uh, was picking up his wife from the bank. She ran one of the, of the banks over there, drove home. It was um, a late afternoon, and he saw uh, lines of uh, eight cars next to uh, the mountain, and uh, from the right side and from the left side, there was uh, several hundred feet uh, cliff. And the front vehicle, the uh, door were, were, were remain open. And the road got narrow there, so uh, he'd been forced to stop. He said he thought it was an accident or something, but then he said the training kicks in. He told his wife to scoot down on, on, on the seat, 
He did the same and accelerated the car and just took the door with him. And what he found out later on on the evening news, uh, the eight cars that have no people inside of them, uh, the people got robbed and shot in the head on the ravine between the road and the mountain. Mm. And uh, he sent a very compelling email say how the, the training saved the life of uh, him and his wife. So th- this is an example of uh, how knowledge can save, save lives. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right. Well, listen, with, with all the violent protests that we've seen in the news over the years, we talk a lot about the possibility of unexpectedly driving into like a flash mob riot or being caught in an area that, that suddenly turns chaotic and violent. I know that you know, the training that you do, the people that you train, and yourself, you've been in these situations where you don't know when something can kind of, all of a sudden you're in a congested area where it might have been free-flowing before, and that's that can be a big threat. And no matter how much you try to avoid this type of scenario, you really could find yourself surrounded by, like, angry protesters or, or looters or, or mobs or whatever, and before you know what's happening. And, and they might be shaking your vehicle back and forth or trying to get through the doors to get to you. How exactly do I escape this type of situation if I've already driven into a mob and my vehicle is suddenly encased with violent protesters? Okay, again, Jeff, this is a, an awesome question, and most people don't think about it. Coming from Israel, uh, this type of attack uh, happened uh, pretty frankly, uh, frankly, in high frequency, I'm sorry, and uh, many people lose their lives because of lack of knowledge what to do in this situation. Um, the way we look at it, there's four levels, and I will explain. Level one is that the crowd have no weapon. They don't have any rocks or stick or baseball bat, and what they do, they try to shake the vehicle from side to side, from from the direction of the, the doors. And once they will succeed, they'll be able to turn over the vehicle. I don't know if you've ever seen that done on, on uh, yeah. videos. It's very easy to do. So uh, the fact you're under attack in this level does not allow you to drive and mow people. Uh, you're going to be held uh, liable. So what you do, you simply um, drive maybe half a foot or a foot forward and backward, forward and backward. That will prevent them from getting a good grip underneath their ve- the vehicle, and therefore they cannot turn off the vehicle. And then as you move Slowly, slowly, the people in the front are going to move. And if you go backward, they're going to start to move and clear way. And because you don't mow the crowd, the crowd will not be angry and then move uh, to a higher level of um, retaliation. Now, um, you, then you need to understand that uh, the road stopped to be the only route of transportation. If you need to go over uh, sidewalks, you do that, of course, be care- being uh, very careful and not hurt people or uh, women carrying uh, babies on strollers. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, if you can cut to, to a parking lot or through um, a ravine, uh, you do that. Now, the second level is when the crowd is uh, extremely hostile and they try to uh, smash the windows. It's important to know that... Uh, the, the windows in your vehicle don't respond the same when somebody tries to smash them. The side windows and the rear uh, windshield are going to shatter if somebody uh, hit at the corner of the window. And they're going to snow. At that point, you will not be able to see through those windows. The front windshield designed to stay intact. So uh, 
they, they cannot break this window. Um, and uh, even when we do tactical training and teach how to shoot to this windshield, uh, 30 students shoot with uh, high-power rifles and, and uh, 9mm pistols, and they still the windshield remain intact. Now, the, in a situation like that, uh, the crowd will try to break the window and then take you out of the vehicle and then uh, lynch, uh, perform a lynch. It's happened in the city of Hebron to uh, reserve uh, soldiers got into uh, the back part of uh, Hebron and then uh, the crowd attacked them, took them out of their car, smashed their windows, and then uh, took them to the second story of, of um, a two-story building and then uh, killed them and then threw them to the window um, after they lynched them. So this is a, a very realistic situation. Uh, as long as you keep the vehicle in motion, don't allow people to grab you. Uh, imagine you op op put down your side window as a driver and people try to grab uh, your wheel and try to pull you out. Simply mo moving with the vehicle forward or backward is going to prevent them from getting that grip. And if somebody uh, grab you or, or grab the wheel, simply uh, bite their fingers off. Mm. and buy them. Uh, I know it's kind of gruesome uh, or too vulgar. If you have any pen or something, stick it in their eye, but remain in your vehicle and try to um, maneuver the vehicle in small bursts through the crowd. People um, don't think about the crowd anymore. Think about them as uh, individuals. And they're going to start to move and clear away the minute the vehicle moves. Now, if you have a firearm shooting into the air, few shots, going to cause people to duck down. At that point, take the opportunity and, and drive away. You can drive forward if it's possible, uh, backward, or uh, to the sides, uh, toward a, a clear path. Now, level three, there's also a Molotov cocktail bomb thrown on the vehicle. Now, if the vehicle is on fire and uh, no fire getting into the car, you can still drive several miles, um, even when the, the tires are burning. And uh, until you get out of the uh, ambush or the crowded um, riot uh, area, and then look at the direction of the wind, and always get off in the opposite uh, direction of the wind, so you, the wind don't blow and uh, burn you. Now, if the uh, fire and smoke get into the vehicle, this is a very dangerous situation because the seats are made of a synthetic material and they're very toxic. At that point, try to hold your breath. If you have any piece of clothes or your shirt or dress, just cover your mouth and uh, nose and uh, continue driving off uh, the area. Uh, the minute you get to safety, every person, if you by yourself, you just roll on the ground Try to choke the fire. If there's other people, uh, panic, knock them down to the ground, and try to suffocate them with a jacket or a shirt. Just put down the fire. Now, the level four is actually when people are uh, firing into the vehicle. At that point, if your vehicle is not armored, uh, you're in trouble because the, in our training, we shoot various calibers to the doors. Of a, of a car just to show the student uh, uh, that the vehicle is really a soft uh, uh, target. And uh, all uh, calibers, even 22 caliber, penetrate to the doors and uh, the windows. 
Now, if the vehicle is armored in any way, at uh, that point, that increases your chance to, to survive. So if our listeners uh, have the ability to uh, upgrade a vehicle or purchase an armored vehicle because a uh, higher threat level that they live in or their loved ones, it's a good investment. There's also run flat tires that uh, even when uh, the vehicle are, are uh, hit and, uh, and pop, you can still uh, drive, if I'm not mistaken, um, uh, 50 miles. Right. Yeah, so, uh, and even if you get shot when you drive, um, from statistics that uh, we did over the years, working with special forces, bodyguard, military units, police officers, there's only 12.5 chance that uh, the, the shots will kill you. Uh, if you uh, bleed, um, you need to stop the bleeding. Um, if there's somebody with you, uh, it can help you put a tourniquet or improvised tourniquet over the, um, the injured area. If it's uh, uh, you by yourself, you can take your belt or your scarf and just uh, tie it up. Uh, but it's important to drive. We uh, trained a few years ago military units in Iraq, and uh, officers came and uh, described that he and a female uh, soldier were driving uh, back to their base, and they were pursued by an insurgent and the fire from the rear, and the vehicle was soft. So he'd been shot uh, multiple times, she'd been shot a few times, and they managed uh, to get to the base and then open the doors, collapse, and then the medics uh, saved their lives. So, so it's example. The, we call it the fight is not over until it's really over. Yeah, yeah, and it makes sense. I mean, just you, movement is so key to this, and getting out of that area to allow yourself to either, you know, be able to escape the area, evade other obstacles, or be able to do self care if you need to. But I mean, just got to keep going. Can't if you're if you're sitting in in front of a, in, inside of a mob and you're not moving, then it's only a matter of time before they eventually you know, bypass that stuff. So really great advice. There's one more thing, very important. You yeah. need to know if you have a, a shut-off uh, uh, fuel pump uh, valve in your car. Usually they install in the rear of the vehicle. Uh, so when there's a rear-end collision, the fuel pump shut off and will not allow fuel to go uh, from the tank to the, the, the engine. At that point, uh, this uh, valve needs to be disconnected because uh, if you need to run back obstacles, um, big uh, trash uh, cans, uh, or you hit a pole, you'd, a light pole, you don't want uh, the vehicle to, to stop because the only way to reset it is to get out of the car and then uh, press the, a button. Hmm. So, so uh, Yes, uh, so that's why uh, when we train uh, bodyguards, uh, these little things can sometimes mean the difference between life and death, and the clients don't need to think about this thing. It's a job of those professionals that are assigned to, to save their lives. Yeah, yeah. Well, sir, everybody, we've been talking with Doran Bamanisti of CRITraining.com about tactical driving strategies in high-threat areas, and we have a lot more to get to, including fast action, instant decision-making on the run, high-speed escape and evasion, and keeping control under extreme conditions. Also, how to safely test your own escape and evasion vehicle to prep for vehicle tactics before an all-out attack or breakdown. But for right now, go ahead and check out this special message. What if everything you knew about how to stop a violent attacker with your gun 
was wrong. Discover the advanced tactics you must know now to protect yourself and those you love with a firearm. Check out our free book, Stopping Power Secrets. Inside, you'll find such no-hold-barred shockers as 1. The three most common myths and misinformation shoveled out by movies and gun-range know-it-alls that could get you killed in a real-life gunfight. 2. The cold, hard truth about your personal weapon's ability to be a one-shot man-stopper. 3. What coroners know about selecting the right ammo for your firearm that you don't. 4. And the simple training trick used by Abrams tank crews and commercial airline pilots that will prepare you for a real attack even better than your best day at the range don't place your family's safety in the hands of hollywood fairy tales and hearsay claim your free copy of stopping power secrets now now at www.stoppingpowersecrets.com and now back to the show Okay, we're back with Dora Manisti of CRITraining.com talking about tactical driving strategies. We've got a lot more to get to, so let's go ahead and jump right back in our interview now. Now, Doran, any time that you're in dangerous territory in your vehicle and you're a target, you could find yourself being pursued by hostile groups of people in vehicles. Now, whenever you see these kinds of chases in the movies, they can go any number of ways. I mean, sometimes you see them take to the highways to escape. Sometimes it's down alleyways. Sometimes it's over terrain. Understanding that it's all situational dependent, what tactical strategy lessons can you offer to help someone master that instant decision-making when it comes to, you know, should I turn left, should I turn right, should I get on the highway, or, or do I take these side streets? I mean, these are all things that kind of come at you pretty quickly when you're trying to, like, outwit somebody that's chasing you. So what it, what is kind of that decision-making process of, like, maybe choke points? Like, what are the what are the things that you need to consider that you can make decisions very quickly to be able to make that right turn? Yes, yes. Um, a rule of thumb in most cases is going to be that uh, open roads are better, highways are, be- are better, because there are no traffic lights there, there's no uh, uh, people, and even uh, if there's a, a traffic jam, you can still drive on the median from both sides of the road. Now, uh, if you uh, talk about Los Angeles, for example, in the rush hour, at that point, uh, you don't want to go on the on the highway because it's one big uh, traffic jam for miles and miles away. So at that point, the side street going to play a role. Also, you need to to know what is uh, the uh, area that you're going to uh, drive. If you uh, live in in different part of the country or the world, simply uh, think, okay. What are choke points in this uh, area? What uh, way I can contact the police station, um, the police department? So, number one, uh, if something like that happens, you call the police and you let go of the phone. You leave it open on speaker, if possible, and maintain your driving. You describe your type of vehicle, color, and the direction that you are moving. They're going to ask you location. Give them uh, uh, the, the street signs or the signage that you see on the highways or the interstate. At that point, I repeat, do not drive the vehicle faster than you can handle it. Because uh, the, the danger of you uh, getting to a fatal accident is much more serious than the potential threat from, from uh, the rear. Now, in, uh, in some cases, um, the vehicle uh, may come in a pass you, and then slam the brake, force you to stop. And before you understand what's happening, 
the vehicle in the front now, people are going to run from both sides uh, of the vehicle and try to extract you out of the vehicle. Uh, at that point, don't panic. Look in the rearview mirror, put in reverse, get some distance, and then you can do the reverse 180, which in one maneuver you turn the vehicle, or just, we call it uh, Y in, Y out, like the little Y. And you, you drive, uh, uh, in, if you're forced to drive in the opposite direction of the traffic, just maintain uh, drive on, on the median and uh, don't touch the brake, especially the brakes, because the surface are going to be different. The asphalt in one hand and then the gravel. And if you touch the brake, the vehicle going to turn to the side and, and you can uh, um, lose control and can go, get off the road into a ravine or something like that. So, um, it's, it's also uh, good to know, I'm sorry, it's good to know that when you drive and you're escaping, if there's big vehicles on the highway, like 18-wheelers, try to take cover behind them and uh, hide, or they will shield you. Hmm. Now, if it's a two vehicles, a motorcade, that you drive with another vehicle, at that point, the rear vehicle can actually... Um, take care of the problem of, of the pursuing vehicle. But I will stop here because I don't want to get too much into the world of uh, bodyguards or uh, PST or PMC, private military contractors. Sure. Uh, sure. Yeah, but I want to give you an example. It happened to one of my instructors. He's from South Africa. Uh, his friend, uh, uh, a car pulled in front of him, caused him to stop. Three guys uh, jumped into the car put a gun to his head, and then throw him to the rear seat, and they were driving. Uh, and then he knew some uh, Africano, so he heard, understood what they were saying. Uh, they said, let's kill him now, and the guy said, no, 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 let, let's get on the highway, and, and then we can kill him and throw his body. So as they were speeding up, uh, merging into the highway, he took a, a brave decision. He simply opened the rear car uh, door, and just leap out. He didn't did it uh, properly because we teach in our school how to uh, jump out of a moving car if you get kidnapped. And uh, he got uh, severe uh, asphalt burns, and that uh, saved his life. Mm. Yeah. So, it, so it's important to know again the the fight is not over until it's over. As yeah. long as you are uh, alive and kicking and breathing, maintain uh, distance from your your attackers. Notify the police. Uh, put your hand uh, on uh, the uh, three and nine of the vehicle, anticipate that the airbag can be deployed if uh, you hit something. And and uh, highways are better than uh, inner streets unless it's during the rush hour and then inner streets will, will be able to be also an escape um, route. Yeah, and the other thing I took away from what you said too is like don't don't feel like you're confined just to a road that if you do have there might be parks or something like that that would give you an advantage where you might you might be able to temporarily get off the road and and get over to a different road or something like that 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 can make a big difference also and just having your having everything set up so that you're able to make those fast decisions and commit to them for example like you know making sure that you're strapped into your seat so you're not flying all over the place as you're taking sharp turns having your hands at 3 and 9 things like that make a big difference because they they put your body in in the position of being able to follow through on your brain's decision once you commit to it. So that's that's great stuff.
Dora, let me share something kind of from my past. So I used to live in this gang-infested area of New Mexico. It was really, really bad. It was right on the, the heroin line right from, from Mexico. And one of the initiation practices that they had for new recruits for gangs was to drive at night with their lights off. And then the first car that flashed their headlights as like a heads up, you know, something you would normally do if you're on the road and, you know, somebody's lights are off. Well, those people became the target. And what, the, what they would do is the gang would do a U-turn. And then they would pursue the car so that the recruit could shoot at it. Now, all you have to do is watch a few episodes of Cops on television to see that trying to outdrive another vehicle at high speeds isn't as easy as like Jason Bourne or you know, 007 makes it look in the movies. Usually, the car being chased after ends up smashing into obstacles or running off the road or just sparking and smoking and grinding its way to a halt. So what are the best strategies you can give me for escape and evasion maneuvers at high speed, especially with regard to how to maintain control of the vehicle when you're trying to escape a threat? Okay, uh, at that point, you need to ask yourself, uh, am I armed or not? I carry a gun for protection or I don't carry a gun for protection. Uh, and unfortunately, many people in the uh, United States and around the world are not allowed to carry guns. Uh, we'll explain to you uh, why. Because um, we had a few cases, uh, one in Las Vegas and one happened to my friend in uh, Louisiana. Um, they saw the driver noticed uh, people with guns uh, approaching from uh, the left and uh, pulling guns out of the car. At that point, in both cases, uh, one time, uh, our uh, uh, instructor pulled up uh, his Glock 17 pistol and ju just show it outside of the window. And the other time, the other uh, person pulled also his gun outside of the window. At the, and in both cases, what happened, those people with the guns slam on their brakes. And both of them continue. Because uh, um, when somebody chase you, one of the, the best way to uh, outrun them is with a show of force and force to them that you are not a, an easy um, a target or a victim that you aren't, and usually they're going to go and look after uh, weaker targets. At that point, if you don't have a gun, that's okay too, because your, your vehicle in many cases is even better than a gun. At that point, you need to think, okay, uh, what is my skill level with this specific vehicle? how fast I can maneuver the vehicle without losing control. And we all seen on the, uh, on the show uh, Cops how always the criminals eventually crash. The reason is because they try to uh, uh, outperform their uh, ability to maintain uh, effective driving and control over the vehicle under stressful uh, situation and in high speed. So... Um, Let's assume uh, first that uh, you pursue by a motorcycle. Why I'm saying that? Because in uh, Latin America, uh, that's how uh, carjacking uh, or kidnapping done. There's two riders on a motorcycle. They're coming to the left side or from the left or the right side of the vehicle, and then they're pulling guns for you to stop. It can also happen from a vehicle. A vehicle pull alongside of you from either side and point gun at you and order you to stop. At that point, if you try to speed up, they will try to uh, also speed and, and, and uh, get you. In both cases, what you need to do is um, a technique that uh, we develop here at uh, CLI. You position two feet on, on the um, 
brake and um, pedal and the gas pedal. And you squeeze fully the brakes, one strong push, and then you put full gas. What happened in both cases, when you lock the brake momentarily, the vehicle stopped dramatically and uh, the nose of the vehicle come down. That gives you better traction. The bad guys, either on motorcycle or cars, gonna overshoot you until they'll be able to correct. Before they understand what's happening, you turn your wheel from the 12 o'clock to the nine o'clock uh, and touch them in the rear uh, tire area, from the rear tire to the rear bumper. And you continue to turn and give gas. At that point, you perform the pit maneuver. And then you counter turn the wheel back. And uh, the vehicle or the motorcycle, if it's a motorcycle, it's going to be slammed to the side. If it's a vehicle, it's going to be rolled to the other side of the road. It's important to know if you do that, if there's other cars or people there, um, they're going to get killed because now they're going to have a vehicle thrown at them. So, of course, you think about your safety, your life, but you need to think about the life of others. Well, let me ask you this, because one of our staff members was actually the victim of a road rage incident. And basically, he had, a, he had this pickup truck pull up next to him and then slam the wheel over to try and run him off the road. Now, we've all seen these movies where, like, two cars are ramming each other, and either, you know, one is trying to force someone to crash or someone's trying to avoid being sideswiped over a cliff, and someone really can find themselves pursued by their attacker trying to ram into them, if it's any sort of a road rage incident or something like that. So how exactly does someone fight back against another vehicle trying to ram them off the road if they can't outrun them? Now, if they're coming from the rear and, and bump into you, uh, simply maneuver the vehicle from side to side and prevent them from uh, uh, passing you and uh, hitting you. Make sure they don't hit you in the rear panel because that's going to cause the vehicle to be thrown and roll to the side. Um, now, uh, with uh, people on uh, motorcycles coming from the rear with guns, simply lock the brake. What happened? and turn the vehicle a little to the right, to the left, I'm sorry. The, the driver of the, mo of the motorcycle simply going to lock the brakes and going to slide and uh, hit the bottom of your vehicle, and then you can maintain uh, driving. The, uh, now, if a vehicle comes from the side and start to hit you, force you off the road, you again press the brake momentarily, just a split of a second, and then give full gas and you reposition your vehicle compared to the attacker vehicle, and now you can do the pit maneuver. We call it the counter pit maneuver. That's, again, a technique that I invented. And on our YouTube channel that have over 1 million views, um, our listeners can actually see this maneuver performed multiple times uh, uh, that we did it during uh, military training uh, several years back. Now, if a vehicle is blocking you, uh, instead of stopping, then try to ram the vehicle, uh, the block. It's easier to hit to the rear of the vehicle than the engine, engine side because the, where the engine, the vehicle is heavier. Now, all of our lives, we've been trained to avoid contact between uh, our vehicle and other vehicles. At that point, you have to get out of this uh, mindset and move in what's called um, 
uh, combat uh, driving. And uh, the way you do it, you accelerate about five to seven length of your vehicle from the blocking vehicle, and then you try to hit to the rear of the vehicle. Um, people often ask, uh, wouldn't I uh, going to get injured, whiplash and all that? No, this will not going to happen because the forces move and deliver into the blocking vehicle. Now, it's important to hold the, the wheel in, in the three and nine um, hand position and keep your thumb aligned with the uh, wheel and not to put the thumb inside the wheel. Why? Because the airbag can be deployed and, and if your thumb are inside, simply it's going to break both of your thumb. And uh, as the, the airbag de deploys, your hand going to fly to the side, simply uh, reach underneath, and uh, it's gonna be, uh, the, the airbag going to be deflated. There's going to be powder in the vehicle, going to cause you to cough, maintain a good grip on the wheel, and maintain driving. So I know it's a lot, but uh, <laughs> it's really uh, uh, creating havoc over the attackers. Actually, now uh, I put together a 14-day uh, program as a high-risk uh, tactical driver that's going to be added uh, to our vocational school program because I realize uh, most people get killed around the world because they don't know how to use uh, the vehicles, and many times bodyguards, um, uh, the client wants just a single person to be the bodyguard and driver. So this program is uh, actually going to be the most advanced um, high-risk uh, uh, driving program ever created. So, so last question for you. We had a lot of questions come in about how the average Joe or the average Jane can practice high-speed pursuit and evasive maneuvers without going to jail, obviously. So, you know, trying to do a bootlegger 180 in the local grocery store parking lot could could maybe bring some unwanted attention, not to mention some, you know, some damage or some injury. But, but I also think it's important to really get to know how your own specific vehicle will perform under pressure. So, what are some safe but realistic training tips that you might have for, for our listeners and how they can they can practice evasive type driving skills that are, are safe but will still give them that, that feeling of realism that might be able they might be able to use in a pursuit? Okay. Um so one of the best way is if you live next to a dry bed lake. Uh, that's a great uh, area to practice. Usually they're out in the country or here in Las Vegas, they're all around uh, Las Vegas. And uh, you can uh, perform different maneuvers and without much tire, uh, damage to your tires. And uh, if you do it for uh, uh, non-profit purpose, purposes, uh, no dollar um, currency change hands, at that point the Bureau of Land Management will allow you to conduct activity as long it does not uh, generate any revenue. Uh, the minute you start to charge money, at that point you are breaking the law and you cannot perform any type of activities for profit on, on uh, federal land, which you manage under the Ministry of Interior and the Bureau of Land Management. Now, second thing, there's the big, uh, big parking lots, especially uh, Walmart that's been shut down or Kmart or a big uh, department store. At that point, Find out who are, who are the owners of the uh, establishment, of the facility, and see if you can get permission. At that point, of course, there's probably going to be some uh, uh, payment involved, and they want to see that you carry insurance. And uh, if several people group together, 
it's easy um, easier to put uh, the funds together in order and the insurance in order to do that. Now, the other thing is to use a driving simulator. A driving simulator, uh, and I'm not talking about the, the games for the 10 and 9 years old. I'm also not talking about the professional ones that um, cost tens of thousands of dollars. You can purchase a, a kit, which is a force feedback wheel and uh, with a gear shifter and uh, pedals with uh, three pedals, uh, the clutch, the gas, and, and the brakes. And some also have the emergency brake or the e-brake, uh, either by foot or with a, uh, with a hand. And what you do, there's a series of uh, video games uh, I found out that the serious need for speed is very effective because uh, over there you race with other drivers, with regular uh, cars, your, the damage to your vehicle uh, is realistic, uh, the vehicle perform uh, similar to the way a real vehicle perform, and then you can also uh, run away from the police and uh, pr practice pit, uh, pit maneuver or uh, ramming, and uh, you're going to feel all the feedback on, on the wheel. This, uh, as you do that, and um, so is this something that now, is this something that you can get? Like, is it like a, a higher end computer game? Yeah, I mean, I know like sometimes you know for for like for PlayStation even things like that, they have where you can use the controller obviously like to fire a rifle or something like that. But you can also spend a little bit of extra money and actually get like an interactive rifle or a pistol that you use with a video game as well. So are, is what you're talking about more of like a, a professional driving school type setup, or is it something that the average person can buy uh, like online or something like that and hook up to a video game? Yes, uh, there, there is uh, the steering column, the pedals, and uh, the kit come for, play, for PlayStation, uh, for Xbox, and also for PC. Huh. And... Uh, I set up, uh, uh, I have two setups, one on my desk and the other one on, uh, on a little uh, racing seat that I got from England. And um, from time to time, I refresh my uh, skills uh, on the simulator. And whenever I go and I do the real uh, training with a, car, a real car, I'm sharp. Uh, and also, one of the biggest benefits is that you can, you can drive in high speed. And uh, I recommend driving uh, in speed of higher than 140 miles per hour. The big value of that is that it's going to train your brain and uh, eye and hand coordination to process information faster. Like a muscle, if you go to the gym and you walk on a muscle, the muscle grow, same thing happens with your brain. The brain creates different circuitry uh, to, to the ner nerve system and uh, these neurons, and at that point, other part of your brain that was not alive or vib vibrant, they're now uh, active. And uh, one time, I, we, we are training in the desert, and one of the students, he was a police officer from uh, Louisiana, he jumped out of uh, the car during a, an ambush, counter ambush drill with live fire, and then uh, he came to me and he said it's hard for him to breathe. So I asked the medic uh, what the problem, he said it's happened to him in the past and his lung moved. I asked the medic, I said, this is life-threatening. He said, oh, yes, that's very uh, serious. So at that time, I had a, a former police interceptor vehicle, a Crown Vic. So I, uh, I put him in uh, the front seat uh, beside me. The medic sat in the back, and I drove to the, the hospital. And at that point, I drove on the, 
on the interstate in average speed of uh, 90 to 100 miles per hour. And in this speed, and, and, and the, the guy with the injury was uh, grabbing the front console, and the medic was in the back of squeezing the, the seat with his finger. And I just drove between cars like there were uh, cones. And I was praying that uh, I'm going to have a police interceptor and, and they can uh, give me escort to the hospital. At that point, uh, when I got to the hospital, the officer looked at me and said, Duran, you are hell of a driver. How the hell you do that? I said, shut up and get, get to, uh, to the yard before you dead, uh, you fall dead. And then um, after that, I sat in my car and my hand shook a little bit and I said, damn it. I could have uh, killed somebody. I could kill ourselves. How the hell I did it? And then I realized is uh, driving on the simulator at much higher speeds trained my brain to drive in a speed of 90 or 100 um, and still get a feel for the vehicle, not losing control. And the fact I'm a, I'm a professional tactical driver instructors also help. And at that point, I realized I did not put no one at risk. I did not put uh, our lives at risk. It simply is a higher level of um, ability to handle uh, your vehicle. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking. I'm, I've been looking up these uh, these controllers, and I've never seen them before. But they even have ones that you can hook up to seats. You can you can get the whole seat, almost like you're sitting in a cockpit of a of a vehicle and everything. And you can really uh, you can really get high tech right in your living room. That's amazing. That's really cool stuff. Um, yes. Uh, word of caution. Word of caution, Jeff. Yeah. If you have uh, toddlers and small kids, don't let them sit in the simulator with the seat and the force mm. feedback wheel because when it starts, it's calibrated, the wheel turns very fast by itself, left and right. And if they put a little hand or fingers inside, it can damage them. Good point. Good point. Yes. Awesome. Well, Duran, uh, really great information. I mean, you really unloaded a whole bunch of really cool stuff in there that people can really use and at least at least get in their mind of the different options that they have available under different scenarios that could turn violent very quickly. And also how to even look at your vehicle and how to get your mind and, and your setup straight so that you're in the best, the best situation available in order to face any of those challenges. So really great stuff. And listen, everybody, as you can see, there's really a lot to this, but you know, it's being out in your vehicle, while we often see it as a safe, a safe hold, basically, it really can also be a death trap if you don't know what you're doing. All you have to do is watch cops a few times to see how people who are in a vehicle that don't know how to use their vehicle in a tactical setting, how they can suffer as a, as a result. But it can also be a, a situation where you are in a high threat area and, and then people are the threat, not just your bad driving skills. So you can see there's a lot to this and I can see why Duran is putting together a 14 day program to add to his, his thing because this is something that you can really take to to an extreme level and and especially if you're any sort of contractor. I know we have a lot of military that listen to this, a lot of law enforcement that listen to our show as well. And and this is a great opportunity to really think about how to use that vehicle tactically to be able to achieve your goal and get out of danger if you need to. Um, listen, everybody, I want you to go over and check out Duran's website over at www.criTraining.com, especially if you were in the military and or in, in some sort of military contractor position, and you can use your GI Bill benefits to be able to get into their vocational program. It's really relatively new, and they've gone through a lot to be able to make this possible for people, and it's a, a really incredible opportunity that very few people get. So make sure that you go check out the thing. And, Duran, do you also do civilian training as well, or is it pretty much just military and law enforcement contractors? 
uh, everything. Uh, um, Jeff, uh, civilians, uh, mom, pops, doctors, lawyers, um, law enforcement, federal agents, um, police officers, uh, bodyguards, and, and also, of course, uh, military and special forces groups. Yeah. Awesome. Well, listen, everybody, you definitely need to go check it out. I think you'll have a lot of fun going through their website and seeing some videos that they do of their training and some really interesting stuff in there. So go check it out. And until our next Modern Combat and Survival broadcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying train hard, stay safe, prepare now. been Modern Combat and Survival. Survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.